Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for joining the Humboldt Joint Discussions. This is a growing coalition of information and community, all things cannabis. We are curating dialogue between various local people throughout the cannabis supply chain to broaden access and bridge the gap between the cultivators, the clinicians, and the connoisseurs to unite our community. Today, we have a very special guest, Lindsay Renner from Native Humboldt of Humboldt, California. She has two cultivations license, type six manufacturing, as well as a distribution, and is currently building out retail spaces all over California. Lindsay, thank you so much for being here. You are a, an extremely busy woman, and so I feel honored to have you on for this short period of time. I adore you, by the way. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. We have crossed paths so many times, both being women of Humboldt. And so that's why I wanted you on the show today. So you could share with us who you are, what you're doing in the cannabis world. And I have a ton of questions for you. So let's start there. Who are you? What are you doing in the cannabis world? Yeah. So my name is Lindsay and I'm the owner of Native Humboldt. And um, I'm actually from Humboldt County. Um, I'm also Native American, so my tribe was indigenous to Humboldt County before white incursion, and then we were pushed to a reservation in Mendocino County, actually, and then, so the land that I cultivate on currently was actually a recreational site for my tribe before white incursion and then belonged to my great-great-great-grandmother after. Um, It changed hands many times um, until about 15 years ago, and it came back into my possession. Um, I've been cultivating sun-grown raft cannabis um, outdoors for 15 years now on that property. Um, And then I moved into manufacturing in 2020. I got a distribution license, um, and now I'm starting to build out retails just to, I, I guess I'm kind of trying to create a, the whole supply chain, you know, really from seed to sell and uh, making sure that I have control over it so I can control the quality products. Because for me, I think the most important thing is to get the highest quality medicine and cannabis to the people. And without having kind of that full control, it seems like almost an impossible task in the current California market. And so that's the goal to build out a completely regenerative, sustainable pipeline from cultivation to retail to make sure that I can get just a really great quality medicine to the people. So I love your story. I love what you're doing. So for those listeners who don't know what full integration means or seed to sale, tell us a little bit about that and why that's important to have. Absolutely. So each license is different. So there's cultivation, then there's manufacturing, then there's distribution, and then there's retail. And so there, you know, it's it's one governing body that governs them all, but they have different, you know, regulatory requirements. And so cultivators can't sell directly to a retail. Cultivators can't 
you know, manufacture products. So technically you would grow the cannabis, you would pass it along to a manufacturer or a distributor. And then the distributor is actually the one that gets it tested and takes it to retail. So if you're not vertically integrated and controlling every step along the supply chain, it means that you're having to rely on someone else to do that. And so we're really seeing some issues when it comes to using third party, you know, say distributors or something like that. I worked with a couple and because I couldn't deal directly with retail, I was selling product, but I actually wasn't getting paid for it. Um, And so it's really important for, especially cultivators, because I'm just a small cultivator. I mean, my, my canopy is 5,000 square feet, so it's teeny tiny. And, you know, to make sure that I can make it work for myself, I had to make sure that I had control over actually getting it to retail. So can we talk about how important it is to have sustainable, organic, full sun cannabis? Obviously you and I, that is our passion and that is our heart. Other states who are just coming online with cannabis, they seem to be going more of the conventional industrial indoor route. And it's one of those things when we go to those communities, like I am all about sharing our message that we have in common. Can you talk to that particular topic? Absolutely. I think certainly in California and certainly in the rest of the nation, people are gravitating towards indoor and they also are are gravitating towards cannabis with higher cannabinoid contents. And so the difference between, you know, sun-grown, regenerative-grown, cannabis-grown in living soils and indoor is actually just now starting to be researched. So I think it's interesting with cannabis, and you know this as well, there hasn't been so much research yet. We're still in the beginning stages of kind of starting to do this research. I think that Columbia University has just, they're working with four farms and Humboldt County. So Huckleberry, uh, Moonmaid Farms, and a couple other ones, and actually testing their regenerative craft cannabis and comparing it to indoor. And so what we're seeing now are these huge full spectrum, you know, cannabinoid profiles. So not only THC and also not only CBD, but CBN, CBG, you know, uh, THCV, all of these different cannabinoids. And, you know, they're just, you can look at it and it's just, it seems full spectrum. The same thing with the terpenes. So compared to indoor, our sun grown is testing with, I think three of my strains this year tested with, I think 12 of the top 14 terpenes and not in small amounts in large amounts. And so you look at that on a graph compared to indoor. And you can absolutely see the difference. And so what that does for the consumer and why it's really important for consumers to realize that this is a thing and that this is going on is because terpenes and cannabinoids, basically full spectrum cannabis creates the effects, right? And so you get this experience, this full robust experience that is so much more rewarding and experiential really than indoor. And so it's really what creates the effects and living soil and regenerative cannabis is really seeing these just vastly diverse full spectrum cannabinoid content and terpene profiles. 
Yeah, it's just out of this world. I mean, when you look at a full sun, organic, regenerative farm versus the other or others, it is just night and day. The smell, the taste, the flavor, the vibrancy, the love of the flower. I mean, it's just totally night and day. You know, it's like I have spoken with many clients who come to me from all over the world. And there are some what we call cannabis deserts, just like a food desert. And of course, in a food desert where there is no organic food, a salad from a fast food restaurant, that's the only thing that you can get. Your body will benefit from it. However, if you're in a plentiful community and you have the option to purchase and speak and vote with your dollar for these organic, highly loved flowers, why in the world wouldn't you? Like if you have that option. And so it's so important. And I am, you know, because of the Cannabis Holistic Institute, we are very much of support of craft cannabis organic. That's the only kind of education we give out. And on top of that, pro home grow, right? So people growing even small amounts, but organically and doing it naturally and doing full sun. So I appreciate you for sharing that because I think the more education we can give to people, the better if they're really looking at this for medicinal. And don't get me wrong. I think all cannabis usage is medicinal, whether someone is using it to relax or they're on that spectrum of having a good time with it. That's still medicinal. Anything that alters you is medicinal or all the way across that spectrum to someone who has chronic illness and discomfort and just wants physical relief. It's all medicinal in my mind. So when we're looking at using medicinal cannabis, we're really focused on those terpenes, those cannabinoids and the proper body systems. And if we can get cannabis that is enriched with all of these things that you're speaking of, it's a better win-win for everyone right? It, it really is a better win-win. So I want to talk with you about the positives of working so deeply with cannabis and, and how you even chose this as your journey. Do you mind speaking to that? Yeah. So I was born in Humboldt County. Um, and so I think that, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think a lot of us that were, were born here, I mean, we, we were kind of just born into it, right? Um, my grandparents and my father actually grew too. And yeah, I mean, I, I was around it at a pretty young age. I think that I started actually selling cannabis at 15 and pretty large amounts. And I probably saw my first, you know, 200 pounds of cannabis and honeydew when I was, you know, maybe 19 or something. And, you know, I, I wasn't completely drawn to it. I mean, I was, I was drawn to it, but I didn't know it was going to end up being my literal life's purpose, to be honest with you. And I I did a few other things. I did real estate. I was actually in the army for a little while and I came back. The crazy thing is, is that I feel like cannabis kind of chose me, to be honest with you. Um, I ended up on this property that was my great-great-grandmother's. That was my tribe's land before white incursion. And that that's randomly. That's actually before I met my biological father. So I, I definitely feel like cannabis brought me home, and it was for a reason. And I think that my favorite thing about cannabis is 
well, yeah, I mean, the amount of healing that it can do. And I think that we talk a lot about the healing powers of cannabis, the medicinal powers of cannabis when it's smoked, when it's ingested, when it's used topically. And for me, where the magic really happened was in the growing, was in the cultivating. And so so I wasn't always the main grower. My partner, John, was the main grower for about eight years, and we had a total loss house fire in 2015, and it pushed him off of the property. We, we lost everything, and we saved 2,500 sour diesel clones, um, a cut that John had had since 1999, and so he actually didn't go out there 2015 to 2020. And I just started commuting. We moved the kids into bimbo. I started commuting out there and I had helped a little bit, but I wasn't completely responsible for the plant. And so the first year I grew 9,800 square feet. That was the year we had to prove existing with the county to be able to, you know, regulate, or that's the year we had to prove that we had been growing cannabis before that way we could get licensed and over the years of growing out there it was just me and the plants a lot of the time and i i had a really traumatic upbringing uh i was born into a pretty difficult family <laughs> and i had a lot of trauma actually and working with the cannabis plant saved my life completely it showed me who I was. It showed me everything I needed to hear. And cannabis, it's not only doing that for me, it does that for everyone. And that's why I highly encourage people to grow their own cannabis. I mean, even if it's just one plant, even if it's your six, if it's a bigger grow, if you want to get into it, it communicates with you. It's hard to explain and it's hard to put into words. But when I was there over those years, everything I needed to know about myself was revealed to me. And that's through the cultivation part, not even through, you know, smoking it or, or anything like that. And it is a very magical, powerful healing plant. And, you know, the more time I spent with it, the more I realized who I was and the more I realized who I was, the more successful I've been. I just keep on, you know, making these moves. And to be honest with you, I'm doing what is almost humanly impossible right now. And I always say that I, I feel like it's, you know, sure, it's me, but I really feel like it's the plant, <laughs> you know, just it has a mission. And I'm willing to be a vessel and, you know, just work and put one foot in front of the other and, you know, everything's kind of lining out and I'm helping the plant in her mission, <laughs> you know. Tell us a little bit more about what you're doing. You're saying that you're doing something that's humanly impossible. Tell us about that. So I knew that my farm was so small that I moved into manufacturing very early on. I started licensing for manufacturing in 2017. And then the rec market in California opened up January 1st, 2018. So I wanted to be sure that I was one of the first licenses. So I had cultivation. And then I think I was one of the first 250 manufacturing licenses in California in 2018. And then probably 
one of the first three women and clearly the only Native American woman to have a license in California. As time went on, as the years went by, it was clear that there are a ton of issues in the California regulatory structure. And the only way I was going to be able to to survive basically was to make sure that I was fully vertically integrated, which means I couldn't just grow the plant anymore. I had to grow the plant, have manufacturing, get distribution, which means that I'm dealing with excise taxes and the CDTFA and cultivation tax. And, and now, and then I realized last year, it actually all doesn't work unless I have retail. And so I'm opening a brick and mortar retail in Humboldt County, and then a non-storefront retail in Oakland. So I'm dealing with you know, the city of Oakland, the building department in Oakland, same thing in Eureka, multiple licenses, the DCC, the CDTFA, while like literally after I get off this call, I'm planting on a new farm that I got this (laughs) last year. And so, I mean, I'm exhausted and I literally feel like I'm doing what's humanly impossible. And I'm thankful that I have a supportive partner. So John, you know, he he actually came back and started growing again in 2020. And I think that that's why I'm able to expand into this new farm this year. But he has the kids all the time. I mean, I have five children. And so I was, I was always a stay at home mom. And after the fire, you know, our roles kind of changed and he was just devastated. It was everything he had ever worked for. And it was time for me to just stand up and be that. And he's kind of the stay at home dad. And he's absolutely amazing. I mean, he's super supportive of me. I think he makes my four-year-old maybe like 20 paper airplanes a day. But yeah, I, it's constant. I am sacrificing actually a lot of time with my children, which is difficult. You know, I think it's really difficult for women to balance work and home life, you know, being a mother and still running a company and everything like that. So yeah, I mean, I say humanly impossible because I don't really even have time to breathe at this moment, but... I I can't believe it. I did not know that you had five children. Yeah, you're right. You are doing things that are humanly impossible. I don't know how you do it all. It's very inspiring. Yeah, I'm really proud of you in so many ways. We are going to take a short little break and give a shout out to a local aligned business that I love so very much. And I think that you will too. And when we come back, we're going to talk about um, how we can support you best and what your challenges have been in the cannabis industry. Ever dream of becoming a cannabis therapy consultant or learning more on how cannabis heals? For a deeper understanding of your own body and mind connection using sacred medicine, take time to dive into classes anytime, anywhere with a new online program. For more information, connect on drpepperhernandez.com. This is a 10-month program, one class a month. 
the Cannabis Holistic Institute provides the most potent teachers Humboldt County has to offer. Students have access to Google Classrooms for downloadable handouts, charts, PowerPoint presentations, and more. Also a live streaming on Facebook, bonus pop-up classes, gifted info, and edited videos available on YouTube. Classes from History of Cannabis, The Biology of Cannabis, Specific Strains and Effects, Cannabis Healing Properties, Juicing, Edibles, and Tinctures, Cultivation and Production, Cannabis Medicine Making, Women in Cannabis Conference, Legalities and Legislations, The Cannabis Business, and more. Thank you and welcome back. I want to reintroduce you to Lindsay Renner of Native Humboldt. She's fabulous. We've just found out so much more about you than I knew. So I'm so grateful that you took the time to do this with me. Let's talk about the challenges of cannabis and the challenges that you have overcome. So you want to share a couple things with the listeners? Sure. I think that the biggest challenge for small farmers, you know, I'm, I'm a small farmer from Humboldt County, from the Emerald Triangle. And I think that the biggest, you know, hurdle that we face is dealing with, you know, corporate cannabis companies and kind of them having all the money in the world to do as much marketing as possible, pushing their agenda, which doesn't necessarily align with ours. So, you know, small farmers in Humboldt County, we, we grow quality. That's the point. It's to allow the plant to express herself in her fullest form. We did it before Proposition 64. And, you know, we worked with collectives of cerebral palsy patients. It was always about making sure that it was the highest quality. And we took pride in that and we still do. And so we really are struggling against these giants that just have so much money. They push out this narrative that THC is the only thing that matters or, you know, whatever it is. We actually have a lot of farms down in Salinas right now. Um, and I won't name names, but they're growing autoflowers. So autoflowers are ruderalis. It's not even cannabis. I'm not even sure if it's supported in the, you know, the California regulations at this point. And then consumers are getting that. So it's very difficult to get quality cannabis into the hands of the people. And so that's our biggest hurdle. I think that every time I face a hurdle in the California industry, the only solution I really see is for me to acquire that license to make sure that I have control over it. And that's a scary thing. You know, I really feel wholeheartedly feel I have my ancestors behind me. I have all of these things pushing me forward, but in reality, that is a scary statement to say that small farms are only going to be able to survive. Craft cannabis is only going to be able to get to the consumers if the small farmers obtain these licenses 
along the supply chain. And then we're fighting, we're trying to grow the best cannabis. And then we're also lobbying. Like I'm on the policy committee of Humboldt County Growers Alliance. We're meeting with some senators and the Origins Council next Monday. We're trying to get the cultivation tax eliminated or at least switched to a point where you know, we only pay if our product actually sells, just all of that stuff. So it, it's a lot. And I think that what I like to say in, in these interviews, because you don't hear it a lot, I think that all small farmers need to know that there's hope. There's absolutely hope. We are right on the brink of this working, of everything we've ever wanted. We are. And it feels like we aren't because we're just about to break through. And honestly, you know, California regulation was built to kind of push us out, it seems for sure. And what I'm seeing on a national level is that people were watching. They watched California try to push out craft cannabis. They watched California try to just give autoflowers and ruderalis to the consumers. And they realized, you know what, that's not the way to go. We better get behind these great farmers with these rich stories and this amazing cannabis and these full terpene expressions and let's get behind them. So I think if we can just make it until federal legalization, we're going to be fine. So there's hope. And then to consumers, I just say, literally, you have to know where your cannabis comes from. You have to. You deserve the best quality cannabis. And it's out there. And some of it's not that great. So you have to seek it out. And you literally deserve the best. I love everything that you just said. And it is so powerful, not only what you're doing, but as a mother and as an activist and as a grower, but also as a voice for this plant. I am just so proud of you. And I think that you're a great human. And I'm really stoked that you're doing this. So let's talk a little bit. I mean, I'm kind of tearing up because it's so powerful. Let's talk about what we call the agenda. Um, I'd love to know just in short what you think that that big corporate cannabis agenda is because, I mean, we really have to start looking at corporate cannabis as big pharma. I mean, it's, it's right in that same vein, you know, and we need to support craft cannabis and we need to support people who are wanting to grow their own because before you know it, if you don't pay attention as a cannabis patient and a consumer, you'll be just shuffled into line purchasing some really bad cannabis, some really bad medicines, some things that are going to cause more issues. So like in my world, CHS is really big. It has been for years, the cannabis hyperemesis syndrome. And it's like, it's not cannabis. It's all the chemicals they're spraying on it. It's all the overconsumption. So back to, I mean, you and I could probably geek out and talk for a really long time on a lot of passionate topics, but let's talk about that agenda really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, so we're finally starting to get to the science that's saying that if you're growing in living soils, using compost teas, growing regenerative cannabis, et cetera, that you are going to see all of these higher profiles that we've been talking about. I think that on a corporate level, they don't feel like they can do that, right? They don't feel like, because it takes a lot of time. I mean, I pick blackberries from, you know, a half an acre of blackberries that I have next to my canopy and I ferment them and make 
<laughs> fermented fruit juice for my plants, you know, and we're actually seeing higher cannabinoid contents while using it. And clearly the terpenes are just way higher as well. So the, it takes work and corporate cannabis, they want to throw an auto flower in a greenhouse in Salinas and have 400 people there just rushing through it. They want to grow what's quickest. They want to grow what's easiest. I really think that they did put out the narrative that people buy based on THC content. And it was funny because probably about six months ago, I realized, I said, well, when did that start? And did I know anybody that actually only bought based on cannabinoid content? And I thought to myself, I don't, I had never encountered a person and I'm all over California all the time in retails, distributions, events. I had never had someone just come and say, and so it, it feels like they put it out there And then we all started saying it because I'm guilty of it too. I started to say, you know what? People are only buying based on cannabinoid content. And then it was all over and there was memes on social media. And then everyone just thought, okay, well, people are only buying based on cannabinoid content. So yeah, their agenda is to grow the cheapest, quickest flower. So we're not going to see huge terpene profiles. We aren't going to see very unique cannabinoid profiles. And that's the name of their game. That's the agenda that they want to push. If they push us out, then that will be the only thing on the market. We are fighting. Like we are fighting. You should see all the farmers up here. I mean, there's literally, I mean, we've got like 500 farmers up in Humboldt County, just rallying and making it down to the courthouse and making it down to the state Capitol and pushing. And, and I'll tell you, I I think we're almost there and I think we're actually going to win. So the agenda was to push us out so that Consumers wouldn't even know that cannabis like this exists. You know, if we could just push them out, if we can just silence all the craft farmers and they go away because they can't make it five years from now, consumers, all they would know was autoflowers. All they would know was ruderalis. So that's the plan. And it's really important for consumers to realize that that's what's going on because that is a scary thing. I was telling someone the other day too, you know, as soon as consumers realize that it is going to backfire against these big companies, people are going to be very upset that they were fed this story and that they're not getting quality. I mean, it's on all of us and we just have to keep fighting that horrible agenda of theirs. <laughs> I appreciate you for sharing that. And before we end our show, we'll, you know, see how we can get involved as community members to these places. I know that you have photos on your feed. I have photos on my feed. We have connections of how to get back and and connect, but we really want to make it easy for the listeners um, in Humboldt, but also worldwide if they're interested in how do we support our local farmers in our community But before we do that, I have a quick question, a kind of a fun question, shifting gears a little bit. What are you growing right now? Why do you like growing that specific cultivar? And where are we going to be able to find it? So my story is a little crazy. So I actually partnered with a corporate brand. I partnered with Cookies Enterprises. And I think last year I just felt like, 
sure, I have a voice and, and sure, yes, I'm doing everything I possibly can to get the word out for craft cannabis and for cannabis in general, um, but I can't really do it by myself. And if I could find a company that was larger than me, but had the same values and morals and was going to get behind me and cookies did. So they actually give me their genetics. I'm actually not allowed to say which ones I'm growing this year yet, and then we'll release it. But last year I grew the Cheetopus and um, a strain called the Orangutan. And yeah, they're just all incredible genetics. And then they pick up about half of the crop and then co-brand. So last year, half of my crop went into cookies bags with a native Humboldt logo. It's part of their Humboldt Grown Initiative. So they work with, I think last year it was three farms that they worked with. And um, I think they sold out in a month. I think everything from the farm sold out in cookie stores in November. And yeah, I mean, I, I think that I actually encourage farmers lately to, you know, seek out partnerships like that. I know we kind of want to say just completely no to corporate cannabis. And at the end of the day, possibly we can't do it all by ourselves. So if we can find strategic partnerships where they actually get behind us and support us, and we still get to get our message out, we still are getting craft cannabis into the hands of as many consumers as possible, it's a good time to look at contract growing and things like that. Like I think that compound genetics is probably going to start compound genetics is probably going to start a sun grown line and do um, contracts with people growing contracts. And then I think that Tommy Chong already does it. There's a few people that are already doing it. So yeah, anything we can do to get craft cannabis into the hands of more people. Well, I thank you so much, Lindsay, for being on today and taking time, especially knowing everything about you now or a little bit more about you than I previously knew. How can we as a cannabis community, how can we support you best? I think just educating you know, yourselves, I, I just really encourage everyone to do that. Listen to these podcasts. You know, everyone I'm sure is going to have a, a story from someone else that has been doing this for a long time and has the right intentions. So I, I think that the way you can help me and the way you can help just cannabis in general and and really everyone is just making sure that you're educating yourself. So if that's through social media, if that's coming to my Instagram, you know, it's Native Humboldt. If that's, you know, through websites, if that's searching for different podcasts that farmers have done or reach out too, you know, I mean, if you are following someone on Instagram and you support them, reach out and ask them as well. Um, like I'm always literally, if anyone wants to reach out to me, I have some emails ready with some kind of like pretty easy SOPs for growing your own cannabis. I'm totally up for helping people to grow their own if anyone has any questions or anything. But I think the, the best thing that we all can do in the cannabis community right now is just educate ourselves to know what the options are. And I think once you know that we're an option and that craft cannabis is an option and it's out there, you won't ever want any other kind. I love that. It's like having a homemade apple pie from your grandmother who makes everything from scratch or getting something at the convenience store. 
It's you know what I mean. It's like yeah. just night and day. They're not even the same at all yeah. in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> so I thank you for being so open and available for community and people to reach out to you. Before I let you go, you are going to be the cannabis ambassador for California State Fair this year. Tell me about that. Yes, very cool thing. So the California State Fair usually judges dairy, they judge wine, beer, olive oil, all from California, California products. And for the first year this year, they're actually adding cannabis, which is huge. It's a huge win for everyone that's been advocating for cannabis. We're actually going to be recognized as a product in California on a huge you know, platform, a huge stage. They have a couple California cannabis ambassadors. So we're just interviewing. I think I just interviewed with the Sacramento Bees. So they'll be putting out an article here soon. And it just, it kind of solidifies cannabis. I I feel like it's, we really have been advocating for so long, even before regulation and everything like that. And it's like the education and the hard work and the advocacy is actually starting to pay off you know, we're going to be recognized at a state level in the California fair. So we're really excited. I love that. I'm so grateful that you're sharing that space. And now you're coast to coast because you're also doing something in New York about craft cannabis ecosystems. Share with us what that is. I'm so excited about this one on the main stage at MJ Unpacked in May. Um, It's in New York. It's in Manhattan. It's really the first really big cannabis conference over there. And the panel is about preserving and protecting craft cannabis ecosystems. So basically, you know, how do we make sure on the state levels and then also on a federal level, how can we be sure to protect craft cannabis? We don't want that going away. We want that to be an option for consumers. And honestly, the fact that they are having that as a panel in New York, the fact that I get to speak to that, to literally, I mean, hundreds of huge investors that are looking to invest you know, nationwide, it's such a good sign. And I'm, I'm so happy. I really do think that they're going to understand that they have to get behind us. Like we, we are what's best. This could be a win-win situation for everyone. Great. You guys want to make money. Great. We want to grow good cannabis. (laughs) Okay. This is how we do that. And this is how we protect that. So I'm actually super excited about it. Oh, I cannot wait to hear more about that. And on a personal note, just really quickly, I'm going to reach out to you to see in your no time that you have available uh, if you could squeeze in speaking or educating the Cannabis Holistic Institute coming on as a teacher. We'd love to know how to make that fermented huckleberry juice that you make. So on the new farm, I actually got a grant to set up a, a educational site basically. And so we're setting up bell tents and glamping tents. And then it's literally all free. We're inviting, you know, we're inviting bud tenders and retailers and purchasing managers, but really just anyone that's interested in, in learning and being educated. So we'll actually be making the ferments on the farm. We're going to be teaching how to make fish amino acids. We do like some Korean natural farming stuff like IMO collection and stuff like that, LAB. And then you actually get to be on the farm and do 
do it. And then we're setting up like a yoga platform and an outdoor shower and just really encouraging people to actually come up and get involved and see it for themselves and understand everything that goes into to making it. And like I said earlier, to feel the energy of these plants, to really be surrounded by them and feel what I get to feel every day that changed my life. So I would love for you guys to come up. Yay. What a fun collaboration. Thank you for the invite. I would, yes, let's, let's, let's talk about it. That sounds wonderful for everybody to be educated and us to be able to share knowledge. So thank you again, Lindsay, for being part of the show today. We really appreciate you. Thank you listener for being here. I hope that you learned a little something in our joint discussion. Have a magical, beautiful day. I'm your host, Dr. Pepper Hernandez. Let's make this your very best life ever.